0: Welcome to the Schoolhouse Life Podcast, where we believe that life is a schoolhouse. Totally. We're super dorks with a passion for sharing our love of homeschooling, homesteading, natural health care, plant medicines, natural childbirth, healthy eating, meditation, creative endeavors, overall self-sufficiency for the whole family. Oh, and don't forget self-development and spirituality. Oh, of course. Key players. We hope you'll be inspired to do things you haven't, try things that could make your life better. And mostly, we want to encourage you to never stop learning and let your life be a schoolhouse too. Hey, everyone. Okay, so I'm I'm really excited about this. I'm actually looking for something just to pull up um, while we're talking to keep me on track. Yay, I found it. Okay, so First of all, we, you all mostly are familiar with essential oils, I would think, and they have become a really big part of our experience in gardening, and I love them for that. I love how versatile they are. Not only can we use them on our own bodies, but we can use them. Um, with our animals and our kids and our garden as well. So um, they are a really important element on our homestead, not just in the garden, not just on our bodies, but just kind of pieces throughout our daily life. And I will point out that the more we can rely on these kinds of tools, which it's really just nature in a bottle, right? Then the more that we will um, be healthy overall. And one of the things that I really love to introduce people to is the opportunity to use nature uh, to promote nature. <laughs> so we are nature, and um, we're made of the same stuff that the earth is made of. And so when we think of our lives like that, it helps us a little bit, because I think sometimes we feel like we have to find this perfect key that's going to intervene and sort of take over and fix everything. But the truth is, is that we have all we need around us. And um, and we were put in the perfect home for us with the perfect solutions for us and what I love that the oils have done for me is given me really simple ways to access that and um, in the garden as well and when we think of the garden the same way right the garden is a natural environment it was created it was designed perfectly balanced we don't have to fix anything um, our job is just to cultivate right our job is just to um, to benefit really from from not just you know the oils but also from a garden that we might grow our own food and that kind of thing. Um, and when I talk about gardening, I'm, I'm pretty broad spectrum, even though, you know, we homestead, quote unquote, I've, I've done a lot of really terrible things in the garden, and I hope that you do too, because that's actually the best way to learn. Um, no one is going to have all the answers for you. You're going to have to experience and play and, um, and get comfortable with failing and plants dying and, and knowing that that's a part of the cycle of learning and life in general. Um, and that is one of the biggest life lessons of being on the homestead, is you know animals will die and it's hard but it is a part of the process and honestly the harder parts make the more beautiful parts even more beautiful so um, keeping that in mind know that you know what I am sharing with you is all what I've learned personally what I've read in books and what I've applied and tried and have, have found to be tried and true and um, I actually did make a printout for you guys um, it's something that I shared for a long time a lot of the information that I got from it um, originally and um, is from a book I should remember it's it's on there Actually, it's a different aromatherapy book and I don't agree with everything in her book But I did think she had some really amazing gardening tips And so I have this handout a lot of it is referenced from her a lot of it is added There's even some card great gardening resources on the doTERRA website, but um, I'm gonna share a link so you can download that for free So I'm excited to share that with you um, And yes, yeah, sustainability and helping people inspiring people and learning from people and kind of growing community that way is um, is real um, it's I feel like my life calling because it's just something that I get real fired up about um, I see there's already a question So feel free to ask your questions and I'll try to check in on those in the chat as we go And um, it might take me a minute um, to get them because I rant a little bit here and there <laughs> anyway um, But I actually wanted to, to kind of compare how the garden um, sort of works in comparison to our bodies. Because if we think about them in a similar frame of mind, it makes us feel like we know anything about essential oils or plants already for our bodies, then it helps us also understand them for the garden automatically, right? So I actually, if you think about the wellness pyramid, which starts with, um, with it starts with the very, the very foundation is, um, is eat right, right? I just looked at this, so I should hopefully remember it, but eat right. Okay, so eating right is really, really important plants too it's the most fundamental if plants aren't getting the right nutrition they are not going to grow they are not going to be healthy no amount of essential oils is going to fix a plant that doesn't have good nutrition now that's true of the human body as well right so that's transferable we can understand that and we really are so similar to plants i think it's um it's interesting um when you start peeling away the layers we think we're so complicated and so much different than and um sometimes we get we overcomplicate our our um our lives, really. Um, and the truth is, if we can come back to these fundamental basics, we'll be better off as well. So um, the food, really, really important. And you can do some simple things to enhance what you're feeding your, um, your garden with essential oils to help create a balance there, a, a kind of good um, ecosystem. If we think about for us eating right, a lot of times involves things like nutrients that we get from our LLV, right? We can add similar nutrients to our soil and build that soil. Um, Diversity is really important in soil for plants. We want that same kind of diversity in our um, diets as well, right? We wanna eat a broad variety of different foods and we wanna um, all the different colors, right? we wanna have that kind of diversity. And diversity, when we think about the ecosystem, I think this is a really good example. When we think about, um, somebody this actually came up in a recent conversation because we're talking about sanitization. Of course, we've got a lot of sanitizing going on these days, and it can be detrimental for us to use too much sanitizing because it actually paves the path for bad things to come in. And we want to think about that in our garden too, because a lot of times we'll turn to chemicals, and chemicals are just like when you're talking about using a pharmaceutical or a drug, it comes in and it does something, whether or not the soil needs it or not. Like it's not gonna test the soil and say, hey oh, this oil is good. I don't need to be here. Or, oh, this is too much of me. I don't need to be here. Whereas with the oils the, and, and nutrition, it's more interactive with whatever it's going into, whatever the host might be. So diversity is really important. So we want to think about composting. We want to think about adding different nutrients in. Um, and we can use the oils to kind of help that balance because a lot of times things will get out of balance and it will start thinking about like, funguses and uh, molds, maybe pests that are that are um, prolific and we want to restore that balance and add in a different bug. We never want to just entirely get rid of things, okay? It may feel like you do. It may feel like you really, 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 really want those squash bugs to just all die. <laughs> I promise you, you'll feel that at some point if you ever grow squashes. <laughs> but the truth of the matter is, is it's not really the best case scenario for us to just eliminate squash bugs from the environment because they are filling a niche and they're feeding something else or they're eating something else. And if you get rid of that, it throws the whole thing out of whack. And then it takes even longer for us to regain that sort of balance that we really, really thrive in. And that is true in the garden as well. And so what I love with the oils is that we can add all this diversity, um, without necessarily having those, all those plants, because what's really good, like think about a forest or a jungle, even the the Amazon forest is the most diverse place in the entire world. When it comes to species diversity, plant diversity, more different kinds of animals, more different kinds of funguses, more, more different kinds of everything. Right. And it's literally a sponge of, of, of abundance and just, fruitfulness and all of these amazing things. Now, the opposite of that, of course, would be a desert right and what do we find in a desert a lot of the same thing over and over and over again a lot of the same cactuses a lot of the same animals and not that things can't live there but it's not diverse it's not this beautiful abundant ecosystem like when we think of a rainforest and that's true in us it's true in our own backyards too so a lot of times we think we get really hyper focused on specific things in our garden and I'm going to tell you that's my first tip is don't get so so super hyper focused so never just plant only squash never just plant only tomatoes if you can um diversify those Plants, you're gonna be happier in the long run because while one thing might fail, another thing will thrive, or they'll both thrive better together. There actually is a really great article. I'm gonna start with one oil. I'm gonna just talk about one oil really quick. Um, and and I'm gonna start with this very specifically because I haven't I don't have um people say I don't have a green thumb, not me personally, but people say I don't have a green thumb. And I, I think of that a lot like when people say, Oh, I can't bake, or I can't draw, or I can't, I can't, when people say I can't, I almost just want to challenge them and be like oh okay you can't like you're born you can't or you just haven't ever developed that skill because it is just again a skill if you've ever been frustrated with gardening if you're on here maybe you already love gardening and you know that that's probably the case um but the truth is we can all get better always at whatever it is that we're trying to do but anyway so roses are something that I've never really done a great job with I haven't even tried since we moved out here to the farm I had some in the city and I would try to play with them and they just and I would I tried. I just never felt like I was doing it right. Right. Um, oh, crystal, stop it. Black thumb. Anyway. Okay. So rose is a really beautiful, beautiful oil. We know that, right? It's a, it's got a high frequency. If you don't know what that means, I'm not going to get into it right now, but it's just got this really powerful and it's got a presence. It's kind of, um, and it's probably why it's so hard to grow for me, is it's just, it, I put too much pressure on these roses, right? Um, and they actually are kind of ugly. I really actually think that rose bushes are pretty much terrible looking, unless they have roses on them. And then I'm like, oh my gosh, yes, of course, this is beautiful. Very rarely do I see rose bushes, and I'm like, oh, what a beautiful bush. It's just ugly until there's a rose on it, um, in my humble opinion. <laughs> Some people must, might love rose bushes, how they look without roses. But, but the rose flower is worth the struggle of the rose bush and its thorns and all of that. Um, and very cool information to know, this is actually on the doTERRA website, but the rose has been studied. When you have a garden and it has roses in it, naturally the rest of the garden does better. Now that's a really great example of companion planting, and how diversity improves everything. So is the rose like gonna um, drip rose oil on the plant? No, but the aromatic compounds are in the air, and probably attracting different, um, different insects and um repelling other insects and who knows what all it's doing but it's a really powerful tool in the garden and so for me since i don't have rose bushes at the moment and i'm sure i will get some at some point um i love rose essential oil and what can i do with rose essential oil in the garden really simply well first things first i can put it on me before i go out there um and rose when you put it on especially the rose touch is so easy put it on and then walk around and you be the rose of your own garden you be the rose the human diffuser rose of your garden and it can be really that simple we don't need to overcomplicate it too much um so i'm going to keep going up the pyramid and i'll give you some more tidbits about things that you can do in your garden too but rose i think is just such a simple thing and i really wanted to put it on and so i talked about it (laughs) and now i smell really good (laughs) um okay so rose is phenomenal Um, And then I'm gonna move up the pyramid a little bit. Okay, so we want that fundamental nutrition for our garden. And um, that could be a whole class in and of itself. In fact, I have tried to, I recently went to a class about soil health and microbes in the soil and stood up and left. I had to sneak out. It was tricky (laughs) because it was so boring and over my head that I had to get out of there, withdrew. And of course, when two people leave a room, it looks very, very um, suspicious but it just was too much it was like okay it's you could go into that forever there are people who that literally is their job to understand soil nutrition and health and all of those things and for me it's a little bit more of a like you know keep trying and trying there are some really great products on the market that I like a lot composting is one of the major things that we do I don't think I think it's I think it's sinful <laughs> and I mean it's very <laughs> somewhat joking but somewhat also very truthfully sinful for a human to throw vegetable trash in the trash (laughs) sorry this is how i feel about it (laughs) so i think composting is so easy um yes crystal you're a sinner um especially because i know you have a place to have a compost tumbler or someplace where you can totally just throw your compost and some worms and let that turn back into dirt i mean here's the problem it sounds like okay now i'm getting on soap. I'm sorry. I'll try not to do that too much. You can compost. You can compost. You can compost. It's so easy. Yay, Grace! Okay, so composting you can do under your sink with a worm bin. There's lots of theory. we can get into a whole another topic on just composting, which we'll probably do. I highly recommend that you join our little sustainability group because Drew and I are obsessed with this and we keep coming up with new topics to talk about and everyone in the group is excited about it. So if you're interested in learning more of this, please join us there. Anyway, I'll, I'll tell you how later, but the, um, You can take your plant scraps, compost them, put them in your soil. It is so, so good for your garden. And it adds that diversity. It adds the worms. It adds the other fungal and microbe and probiotic content that you really want in your soil. Now, when dealing with the balance of funguses, because a lot of times, funguses actually sometimes in your soil, so we don't want to kill off all funguses, but when you start to see it on your plants, um, and we're, we're, we're talking about a specific need there. We think about our bodies. What do we do for our bodies if we have a fungus issue? I like doing live classes because people will answer me. <laughs> um, so um, we use oregano, right? Oregano or tea tree. Thank you, Crystal. Awesome. Tea tree. Wayne's all about composting. Good, Jenny. You guys aren't sinners. <laughs> Nora, compost. Good girl. Okay, good. Um, so we know that, um, a lot of you are in our groups. Um, <laughs> um, okay. Now I need to stop paying attention to check. I'm totally distracted. Okay. So tea tree oregano thyme is a good option. Now, one of the key things that I'm going to tell you about, um, using essential oils in the garden is when we talk about essential oils and babies or essential oils in plants or pets, we really want to like down, downgrade how much we're using. And that's even more so true with the, with the plants. Now, I think that that rose situation that I told you about where the aromatic compounds from roses just blowing in the breeze is enough for the plants to get that experience, right? That's all they need. And a lot of times I'll sell it to people with essential oils. It's like when I think about the Garden of Eden being in perfect balance, it's basically just the most perfect situation where these aromatic compounds are just around us all the time, right? And it's perfect harmony, it's perfect balance how beautiful does that sound? It sounds amazing, right? So we re- recreate that in our garden. I actually had a revelation the other day. I don't know if I should include this. I'm getting too religious for you guys. Maybe not. Maybe you love it. Um, and this is totally just like a me randomly saying something to Drew, but um, that the Garden of Eden is where we're meant to be, right? The garden is where we're meant to be. Right now, I'm feeling that more than ever. Every time I walk into my garden, I feel better. And it's not because I have the most amazing garden. I really don't. It's, you know, messy. There's stuff everywhere. I can think of a million things every time I walk out there that I need to do, but I love it out there. And the more you dig your hands in the dirt, the more you watch something go from seed to to fruit to flower to whatever, The more in tune and the more connected I feel and I think that's something that's really missing in today's world. And so that's me on my soapbox saying that if we would all just go back to the garden. (laughs) Things would be a lot better. We have, I, I was thinking about, you know, Adam and Eve leave the garden and to toil and I think about people in like office spaces like toiling away. Trying to avoid having to do the hard work of working in the garden when the truth of it is if they just got back to the garden, they'd be much better off. And that is totally like some people hate to garden. So don't be offended, but that was my thought. Um, anyway, okay, so I'm gonna talk about the second level. What's the second level? Eat right, exercise. So this one's kind of a silly one, but it is actually very true. So plants actually thrive when they blow in the wind and when they move about and when there's act, action around them. Um, it actually, it helps them dig roots even more deeply into the ground, right? And, and it helps when you have deeper roots, um, to absorb more nutrition, to grow more straight, um, and strong and all these different things. So exercise for plants is a little different. You will see plants move a lot, actually. Um, we think that they're kind of stationary, but they're video from the top, a time-lapse video, and you see the tops of the trees. They move like crazy. You think, oh, you know, the, the leaves just bend, but these trees, they almost move like, in like concentric circles. It's crazy to watch this video. We do a lot of that as well. Our plants really do, um, they move around. And, and you'll watch if you observe your garden or your plants even in your windows, they move. And, and something that makes your plants healthier if you have them in a, is turning them around. I specifically sat here so I can show you. So these are some of our sweet potato slips just just something that we have on the garden, but you can see they're here and they'll start reaching for the sun. So we'll turn them around and we'll turn them around and that keeps them um, growing stronger and healthier too. Jenny has something to say about my garden of being a statement. What did you say, Jenny? Uh, so good, there's definitely something so special about being a garden, yes. Place I love to pray and worship, but yes, absolutely. Okay, good. I'm not the only crazy person. Out there. Um, all right, so movement. We do want our plants to move. Now I'm not gonna apply blue to help my my plants with their exercise, but um, but it is just something funny, I think, to keep in mind. Relating the plants to ourselves, um, I can't think of an oil to compare to that we would um that we would use, but um what's next? Um, reduce and manage stress, right? This one is huge. Our plants, if they're stressed out, Will not produce fruit. They will die. They will reach. They will um, yellow. They will um, mold more. They will be weak when predators come. So we don't want to stress our plants out. Um, We want them to have, you know, be able to rest in whatever way plants rest, right? So what does that mean? Um, It means they need to be watered, right? They need to be. fed nutritionally speaking and um you know constant movement maybe i don't know you can really kind of read between the lines there but watering is one of the main things that you really want to think about you want them to have enough sunlight for whatever they need um and and just not let them be stressed out now there are some plants that actually don't do too well together and that can stress them out but um for the most part you can um deal with any of the things that don't like to be together by adding a third thing or a fourth thing and just adding diversity and they'll be fine um like people they need water to not be stressed is that what you're saying (laughs) or if they don't like each other so add a third person and they'll be fine um anyway other people's it's totally true Totally true. And then if you add a third person, it's usually fine. <laughs> um, okay, so reduce and manage stress for sure. That's helpful. We want our plants to thrive and be in a place where they feel comfortable and confident and can do what they need to do to grow healthy and strong. Um, a lot of times, this is relieving pest pressure. Now, that is where the oils come in and play a pretty powerful role. So, when we're talking about removing pest pressure, we're really talking about insects that are either too, pro- too prolific. Um, or um, you, like out of balance usually is the situation. Or when a plant is really young, it needs to be more protected, especially seedlings right from slugs, right? We, slugs are like, I hate slugs, they're terrible. Um, and slugs will destroy seedling, it's very inception, right? The little leaves come out and you're like, oh my gosh, it's gonna live and be beautiful. And then a slug just decapitates it, it's terrible. So slugs are the worst thing ever. they can be in your lettuce, they can be kind of all over the garden, and they can come in droves, and you find a million of them all at one time, and it's scarring, really traumatic experience. But I have the answer, and that is cedarwood. So cedarwood is probably my ultimate, all-time favorite essential oil for the garden. I love, 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 love cedarwood. It's good and diverse, and it's gentle, and it's um woody and it's um, easy and it's fragrant and it's just so good for the garden so cedarwood is my number one recommendation for the garden absolutely hands down Um, how would i apply cedarwood i'll list off a few of the ways that i like to use essential oils in the garden and it kind of just it floats like i'm you know what do i have what's the easiest thing how am i going to do this so if you don't have some of these sprayers these are the um continuous spray sprayers from doTERRA i do really like these um especially in the garden because one they i do put my cleaner in here but i find i don't like my cleaner in here because um i have to refill it too frequently but for bug spray and for garden sprays it's especially good because it's such a gentle mist um and Um, I can leave it outside and it's going to be fine outside and not get broken or anything. Um, but you really can put like one to two drops of cedar wood in here and that's all you would need. You really don't need very much. Um, because this, because these essential oils are so potent and because we're talking about plants that are tiny and just don't need a lot to survive or to thrive, like we talked about. Um, I highly recommend getting some of these guys or other continuous misters, um, or maybe even smaller ones. Always label them. I can't tell you how many... (laughs) Uh, bottles of whatever spray. I was like, oh, I'll just use this for the rest of the summer. And then it I don't know which is which bottle because I'm not the best labeler. This one, though, was very thoroughly labeled. <laughs> Can you see? It's definitely bug spray. <laughs> it wasn't me. I think Drew was um, trying backwards. So that's helpful. Oh, it looks, it looks for you. That's funny. Um, how all the different ways our label maker would make labels. Anyway keep saying my internet connection is unstable which is bothersome but um okay so cedar wood really just two drops in here you don't need much and you really less is more in this situation I always say (laughs) that was a long pause this better be good I always say less is more but frequency is key and it's totally true in the garden Now, one thing that we have actually tried before, and this can be really useful too, is if you have a drip irrigation set up in your garden, or you have a system of watering your garden regularly where you can distribute the essential oils out regularly, um, that can be a great way to add the oils in. And so we've actually done that. We've added um, essential oils to um, our drip irrigation um, siphon. Drew just walked out of the room and I was going to ask him what it's called. Um, but that works really good. It's a, it's a great way to add other nutrients to like, like um, fish emulsion um, and other kinds of things that you can liquefy and put in um, to add nutrition to your soil. Um, what is that thing called, Drew, that we add? Uh, siphon. I said it right. Good, good. Go to me. Um, anyway, so Cedar, what is my number one recommendation? Now, some other ways that we use essential oils is um, hanging things. You can get cloth fabric and hang it throughout your garden, and you can add the essential oils onto that fabric pretty easily. Um, Cedarwood for slugs is really powerful. Now, if I'm using cedarwood for slugs, I generally spray the base of the plant because it's where the slugs come from, right? So really get it down and around. Now, cedarwood, honestly, when people ask me, hey, what do you use for blah, 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 I would start with cedarwood because I just really feel such a good option. Now, we do have uh, lemon eucalyptus, which is a good addition, and I think it's a very potent bug repellent, so it would be something that I would add. Um, but we have a lot of options when it comes to essential oils that that specifically bugs don't like. Peppermint is a really good example. Now, peppermint, I love. I grow peppermint. We grow the base of our trees a lot. So we have we have an orchard. Um, and the trees are quite small still, but we, um, we try to be proactive about treating them um, for pests and that kind of thing to keep them strong, to rest and reduce stress, right? Reduce the amount of stress. But peppermint is a great example. It's very good for aphids, spiders, mice. Um, and again, you can make a spray with it and spray it around the base of your plants. Now, it's not peppermint is not something that you gener- generally want to grow near your, um, especially vegetable garden because it can take over pretty easily. Um, so peppermint I would not recommend to grow necessarily right where you want to grow your garden, but you can use the peppermint essential oil and again heavily diluted, you could do peppermint and cedar wood together. What I love about peppermint is in a garden is you can make a peppermint spray, have that in your garden with you, you're hot, it's summertime, spray the back of your neck and you're immediately cooler and you're repelling bugs at the same time, right? Two two for two for. Here's the thing. So Drew and I are really into permaculture is the name of the techniques that we, we try to implement the most. And it has all, all these different principles. The main principle is, how can we do two things at one time? <laughs> Which is so efficient, right? I just wanna be efficient, that's it. I wanna do, do less and get more. <laughs> that's it, that's my ultimate, ultimate goal. It should be your goal too. Um, so I always be thinking about that. What's something that you can do once and get two benefits for, um, and, um, or not do it all. And nature just does it for you. There's a lot of, um, different situations where that can play out and that's a whole different class. So I'm going to, I'm going to stop there, but, um, what do you dilute? Your, okay, good question. So no, I actually don't dilute with fractionated coconut oil. Very rarely but I put fractionated coconut oil on an natural plant. Now, if there was an aphid infestation, sometimes the oils can help um, eliminate the bugs, but the, the oil can actually, left on the plant leaves or the plant itself can actually, when the sun comes out, burn it. Um, like you're cooking the plant, which we don't wanna do, right? So be careful with that. Water is really the best case scenario. You can get distilled water. I really feel like you can't, I mean, you don't need anything more than water. We're just trying to get the, the essential oil distributed out there. Um, you could do things like mix the essential oils with some baking soda or um, Oh, a cotton ball is a really good tool. I've used a lot of cotton balls. Um, Cotton balls can be a good thing to put in mole holes if you're trying to repel moles. But again, here's the thing. A lot of times people will get really hung up on eliminating a pest. And they get hyper-focused on this one pest that's driving them nuts. And they don't look at the root issue, right? So I really want to encourage you to do that with your garden because here's what will happen. Somebody will get an infestation of moles. And they will say, these moles must die, they must die, they must, okay, I'm getting a little carried away. Now, moles are, um, they can be troublesome for your garden, but generally what it means is you have an unbalanced something, okay? Now, it could be that they have, there's too many, um, too many grubs in your soil, or whatever it is that they like to eat. Moles eat meat, so moles, moles eat vegetables. Bowls, moles, they're two different things. So um, the, the cool thing about having moles is they're actually naturally aerating your soil. So we're really working against nature on so many levels. I, I think about that, um, you know, if there's too many moles, there's an imbalance of whatever maybe eats moles. Maybe it's coyotes, maybe it's, um, what else eats moles? Cats, uh, possums might eat moles, foxes. So we need to look at more of this as a a chance to add on our own little property more balance. And I can say that out here on 15 acres, we really only use probably about one total acre of our property, right? And you're like, oh, well, you can say that. But we lived before this on a quarter of an acre and our our farm there was more abundant than our farm is here. because we were hyper-focused on this very small area. And we did our best, You know, we had bees, we had chickens, we had a very diverse um, garden, we planted fruit trees. You know, it, We were really doing a lot with very small space, which made it easier, right? It was easier to focus on that much area at a time. And we added a ton of diversity. We brought in birds, we brought in pollinators. So do not underestimate what you can do on whatever it is that you have to do it with, okay? Um, So back to the other soapbox that I was on before. Oh, moles. So let's not hate our moles, right? They might be serving a purpose that we can't see, or they might be a way that we can look at the symptom like we would in our own body and say, oh, well, this is what's off. Instead of just killing all the moles, let's try to deal with this issue from a more holistic point of view, right? Let's try to deal with uh, the health of our garden and our homestead or farm or whatever you might be dealing with and let's look at it in a a bigger picture scenario and try to really figure out what can we do to have the most impact that's going to, first of all, make this not come back again, right? Because what do we know about killing all the moles? Guess what? They're going to come back again next year because there's this void and they are going to come back and fill it full force or worse. You're going to have way a ton of extra, um, a ton of extra bugs in your life because those moles like to eat all those things under the ground, did you know that? They like to eat the things that eat the grass and the vegetables and the other critters. So there's this balance that we really need to keep in mind when we're talking about a holistic gardening style. And of course, essential oils fit right in. Now, if you're just trying to kind of maybe push back the moles a little bit and deal with it, that totally makes sense to me. And you can use cotton balls, put some cedar water, some peppermint on them and drop them in um, into the holes. Now the, the truth of the matter is that uh, I don't think you can go wrong with oils when it comes to dealing with moles or bowls uh, because um, they are they don't like smells other than their own smell. It's probably gonna be too much for them. Um, so let's see here. Um, rest and stress, reduce but I feel like I've already touched on this. And I think that the oils give us a huge opportunity to reduce our toxic load because we can reduce the need or I I feel like need is not the right word. The craving to use things like seven dust or other weed killers or um, animal killers, insecticides, pesticides, fungicides, those things, those asides are toxic, okay? We put those on our plants, that we eat those plants. Does that make sense? It just does not, it doesn't make sense, okay? And I know it feels good to take control of the situation that way, but it's, it's temporary and it will lead to further complications. Now, something that we, we all wanna keep in mind is that glyphosate is a, a known killer. It's done on doozy, played a, do, a role in the health, I think, of, um, of our nation as a whole. I think we're all suffering the consequences of this chemical that is highly used um, on fields across America. And we can blame the farmers all we want, but the people who use the most glyphosate are homeowners who spread it on their lawns, use it in their gardens, spray it on their driveways, and then it floods down and gets into um, into our rivers, into our water sources, and into our plants that we're eating. Now, that's something that you can look up and learn about, again, in a whole other class, but glyphosates. Trace glyphosates are fun, even in our organic cereals, because it's such a part of our environment, our organic foods and, fruits and vegetables, all of those things. So we really want to be as careful as we can with what we're eating. And when we are gardening, we have this really beautiful opportunity to um, create something that we can't get anywhere else. So we don't want to just mimic what they're doing on these big farms. We want to do better. We want to give ourselves something that's even more wholesome And uh, because that's what we have the opportunity to do. Because when we eat something straight out of the garden, the nutritional value is like skyrockets compared to what we get from the grocery store. Okay, so we don't want to mimic, Crystal's like, I didn't know this is what you were going to do. Sorry, Crystal. Um, we don't want to mimic what's happening in grocery stores. We don't want to um, do it the way the big farmers are doing it. We want to do it differently. And when we think back 50 years, 100 years, what farmers did is they had everything. When we, all It's funny, all of the farmer, there's a lot of kids books out there about farms. I could have pulled out a stack of probably 20 kids books out of my kids' rooms about farms. And can I tell you that there wasn't one single wheat, soybean, corn farm in any of those books? They're these beautiful little, beautiful, diverse farms where they have a cow and they have a horse and they have some chickens and they have pigs and they have ducks and they have a little bit of everything, they have a garden. And that is where the miracle of abundance lies. It really is. And I think that the more we can do individually to reconnect with that beautiful vision, the better we're going to feel. And the more excited everyone else is going to be to do the same. And that's where we really want to see. That's where we really want to see all of this go. And of course, essential oils have everything to do with that. (laughs) Sorry, I'm coming back. Okay, a couple of questions from Facebook. What can I spray on broccoli? Okay, what do I use instead of Seven Dust? So, <laughs> that's a big question because Seven Dust—I honestly don't even know exactly, specifically, what Seven Dust is used for because I have never used it. Thank heaven! Like, just I didn't, never got—I never got hooked on it, right? And that—I mean, that's again, like, we we look at our own health, and it's the same, right? Like, I never started taking a medication, and thank heavens because I know how much harder it is to turn away from it after you've started relying on it, right? Um, And because the impact of seven dust will take a little while to get back away from. So a really good example of this is our hatred of the dandelion. Okay, this is my dandelion bit. (laughs) So dandelions are this this terrible weed, right? That are infesting gardens and and, um, beautiful green lawns across America for like the last 30 years. But the problem is, is that dandelions have a very specific job to do. So it's like picking a scab, right? Dandelions are amazing. Tanya, I love you. Tanya, Tanya, I'm sorry. I don't know how to say it because it, people are different. But um, I'm going to come back to what to use instead of seven, deaths. I'm not forgetting you. I'm coming to dandelions <laughs> because dandelions are a very powerful healer and their job is to heal and we can keep picking them out and picking them out and picking them out but the problem is is that their job is to heal and they're not going to stop until it's done and so we can either embrace that and say thank you dandelion thank you for doing your job thank you for filling in this hole here that needs to be filled and and enjoy that we understand how it's working or we can keep picking that scab out and picking that scab out picking that scab out and um, just it's just not it's not good clover too clover there's so many plants all plants really have a job and they know what they're supposed to do and so all we want to do is manipulate what they're supposed to do for our benefit right that's it that's all we want to do so um i promise you that's what we were designed to do too so um this is exciting, right? This is exciting when you're like, oh, I can let that dandelion live. And not only can you let it live, you can harvest in it, you can eat that root, and you can, um, you can um, benefit from it in so many levels. It's great for your liver as a tonic. It's an incredible, incredible herb, and it's in several of our supplements, at least one. It's definitely in Zendocrine Complex, and I think it might be in another one. Um, but these plants have a purpose. A, a grand design far beyond what we may understand and so it's all just about learning how can we facilitate that grand design in a way that gives us the most benefit and i promise you you will get the most benefit if you just manipulate it this way i promise you it's true so look it up 7 dust is a killer of insects it's an insect insecticide we do not want to kill insects okay that's not our goal anymore <laughs> oh, is that scary we, we we're not killing insects anymore that that can be terrifying when you realize that that's not That's not, if it kills a bug, it kills you. That's just a fact, okay? If we're killing anything, we're automatically killing ourselves. And I know that sounds really harsh, but it's true. Whether it's brain cells or skin cells or liver cells or pancreatic cells or whatever, (coughs) repel. That's what we wanna do. Thank you, Crystal. Repel is a better word. We can repel. Repelling is fine. <laughs> repelling is just manipulating nature. That's it. Okay. We might want to repel. We also want to attract. That's the other side of that. We really want to attract more than anything because the more that we attract, the less repelling we have to do. Um, we want to attract um, pollinators. We want to attract wasps and bees. People are um, a little bit more afraid of wasps than they need to be. Wasps are a powerful, powerful garden helper. Spiders We want spiders in the garden. I'm sorry. I hate to say that as much as you want to hear it, but spiders are a really good sign that you have a tremendous, uh, tremendously healthy garden. Um, You want as many toads as you can get. Frogs and toads are wonderful. So try to bring in those frogs and toads, right? Um, you can build little houses for your frogs and toads, you can bring in uh, wasp houses and pollinator houses and try to bring these guys in and that's going to have a really powerful effect on your garden. Now of course the oils will also help because some of the oils have attractive scents that these pollinators really like, like rose, like jasmine, like geranium, like patchouli. These are smells that these insects are familiar with and they like and they will come to. Okay, so um, you can use a cotton ball method to get these scents around your garden. You can hang bunting around your garden and you can put essential oils on your garden. If you have an outlet, you can totally put a diffuser in your garden. Why not, right? Um, so again, less is more frequency is key. Just keeping that in mind. If you go out in the evening to check on your plants, bring your spray bottle and just spray a little bit, right? Um, it can be a really fun ritual, part of your day, really good time of connection. Maybe you do it in the morning with your coffee or whatever, just make it a, make it a regular so repel not not kill is definitely what we want to do um what was the other question oh for broccoli broccoli is tricky (laughs) i'm going to tell you right now um i tend to shy away from broccoli i i'm not done with it but it's not my priority broccoli is like a secondary animal now firstly you want to plant it at the right time it has to be started really really early the later it gets in the year the more buggy it's going to be when it's ready um you can cover it with a net to keep, try to keep those little wormy guys out. But um, I've had success, and then I've had major failures with broccoli. And the fact is that it just doesn't make very much. So for me to use up garden space on broccoli, is it's like, eh, I don't know. Um, but I, I'm coming back to it. I will continue to try. Cedarwood would definitely be one of my first choices for broccoli. Um, to repel those little wormy, mealy, mothy things. Moths don't like cedarwood, right? We know that in our closets. It's true in our garden as well. So um, that's what those are. Those are little moth things. Something else that I learned is they also don't like dill. So dill, you can plant dill. You can grow dill, right? Or you can spray a little dill around your garden, which uh, we can't buy dill all the time, can we? I have dill because it came in a special kit, but I don't think we always have it for sale. Am I wrong about that? But fennel is very similar to dill. So you could use fennel as an alternative to dill if you wanted to. Um, Okay, I am right about that. I have a hard time keeping up with our inventory, surprisingly. <laughs> I feel like we're getting um, really diverse in what we have to offer. So, And I imagine it's probably only a matter of time before we have dough all the time. I feel like that's how things roll around, doTERRA. Okay. So let's see here. What have we not talked about? Um, so reduce amount of stress, uh, manage a toxic load. I really am going to encourage you to try to cut back at least um, on the chemical input that you're using. Now some other tricks of the trade. diatomaceous earth is a really good trick of the trade. Um, it's not something I love, love, love because diatomaceous earth is a um, finely ground shells and it's a great thing to get rid of parasites. Um, if you have wormy slug, like situation, it can be a a pretty powerful way to get rid of them. However, it does kill earthworms too. So we want to be very careful about that. We don't want earthworms to die, right? Again, (laughs) we don't want anything to die. We just want it to work together. We want it to all be balanced out. So that's really our end goal. Um, You can maybe just make a little ring around your plant and I've seen people do this to prevent it from seeking out into the into the ground and getting all the worms to keep slugs out. I think that's a good smart thing to do. Um, And you could make a ring with like a cup, like a paper cup, the base of a paper cup, right? And just keep it out of the soil itself um, and use it that way. Um, Let's see. What else do we want to talk about? Um, Reduce toxic load. um, Proactive medical care. Proactive care is really important. Um, And so don't wait until your plants look stressed out before you start dealing with whatever is happening, right? We want to um, deal with the situation before it's a situation. Um, So what can you do? What garden spray can you make? that will um, be something easy that you can just start using immediately and i'll tell you right now cedarwood peppermint is a really good combo you can use lavender too cedarwood peppermint um and lavender would be a really great option to um, just have ready to grow Um, terra shield is a good option for the garden Um, i do worry about it repelling things i don't i I don't know why i do use it sometimes in the garden Um, for some reason i like to pinpoint more i kind of have a list going in my mind of what's for what and so TerraShield has got so many things in it that sometimes I'm like, okay, um, that overwhelms me just a little bit when thinking about the garden. The other thing is Terra Shield does have practically coconut oil mixed in. And so um, it's not necessarily my first choice for using in the garden. Um, but it's good to, to put on yourself to go into the garden for sure. <laughs> um, and it can be a really great way. People, I know I see people trying to buy citronella constantly um, to try to repel bugs from their garden, and it, it can be a good repellent for um, for mosquitoes. Um, but I will tell you, our farm, we don't have a ton of, I mean, we have mosquitoes, don't get me wrong, but it's not the worst case scenario on our farm. I, I think that we do a good job of keeping uh, tons of birds because we have so many berries, right now mulberries are in season, and then we'll have elderberries and um, blueberries and raspberries and blackberries. So the birds descend on our house and they eat mosquitoes, right? Bats, we try to keep our house um, very friendly to bats. So again, it's about um, attracting the right kinds of things to balance out the bad kinds of things, right? It is, I love how this uh, correlates with us too, right? It's true, it's true. Um, Okay. Um, What other oils? I did want to just give a shout out to thyme. Time is an incredible tool for the garden. Um, We actually have a ton of time growing in our garden um, and I love it because it's just doing a magnificent little carpeting job as a low ground cover Um, and it smells amazing and it's fragrant and is good for fungal balance and repels specific um, negative Kind of attractive bugs. Um, it can be hard. I, I'm gonna just point out that it can be really hard, um, and I just I want you to know that it's okay that <laughs> you get frustrated with your garden. Um, it doesn't mean anything about whether you're a good gardener or not. Um, so one of the things that will be really difficult, um, is, for example, marigolds are a wonderful thing to grow in your garden. Marigolds, nasturtiums, calendula, there's lots of really great options for planting with your your plants that attract pollinators and repel other things or attract the right kinds of th- bugs that kill other kinds of things. Um, so here's a, um, I was just going to say something. Else, say. Um, it can be difficult. Okay, because we, ha- we are dealing with some kind of um, imposed predators or um Pests that we, that aren't natural, that feel unnatural, like Japanese beetles, um, squash bugs feel unnatural to me, although they probably aren't. Um, What else? There are other things that come and you're like, what do, I don't stand a chance against this, right? But there is actually, even when we have these invasive species coming in, there is generally, nature has a way of like figuring that out, right? Nature is, nature is, can figure it out. Nature creation will balance out. It will um, it will find the right balance eventually. Now, um (laughs) I knew that I was gonna say murder hornets or bees, is it hornets or bees? Um I'm ignoring murder hornets right now. My brain cannot does not compute um anything else like that. But the real truth is that we are totally Sometimes I I feel like we overcompensate and we try to step in and overcompensate when the truth is if we need to just sit back and observe And see what we can do about it So here's just one example of on our farm what we've done in the past that's worked really well for us So we've had infestation of Japanese beetles, which will come in on our fruit trees, especially now we also have chickens and um, People will get the bags of the the Japanese beetles, which will maybe attract more is what the people say Um, so we put the bags near the fruit trees in the field, and then we brought the chickens around the bag and dumped the bag out, and then the chickens would eat all the Japanese beetles. And it was a really great way to manage this pest that would otherwise, you know, you feel kind of like at a loss, like, well, what am I supposed to do here? Um, there's actually a really great movie um, that was available on Prime for free, and my kids even loved it. I watched it one time in the theater, actually it was last year, I think exactly at this time, because it, it popped up in my feed recently. Um, called The Biggest Little Farm. And it is so inspiring. And I would definitely encourage you to watch that because um, it can be so frustrating when you're trying to do things the right way. And I think that translates into our health too. We can get so frustrated that we're not finding the answers. And um, in the garden, I feel the same way a lot of times. And so um, that just has, the movie just has so much hope, so much hope that even in, a, in sort of a desert area, like where there doesn't seem to be any hope of, of making this work, um, you just have to sit back and observe and know that it, there's a way. There's a way, okay? It's about solving the puzzle sometimes. All right, so basil is another really great tool. And um, a lot of people will plant basil, um, and they'll plant it with their tomatoes because it actually will not only just do good things like as a partner plant, it will improve the flavor of your tomatoes even. So it's a really great option as well for your, um, for your garden. Patchouli is a wonderful repellent. Um, it also helps me focus. So I will put that on when I go out to the garden and it repels bugs as well. I use it as deodorant. So I just dab a little. And what's cool about that is it heats up. It is my fave. Um, And I smell like an amazing super hippie. And um, I'm also repelling bugs at the same time, Um, which is what everyone wants to do. Now, this one I would never put on and that is geranium. And if you like geranium, you probably aren't going to get along. I'm just joking. I don't like geranium, but I like people who like geranium. Um it's different. It's woo, oh, It's so strong. It's just so strong. You forget how strong it is. But it is very similar to rose. So if you're looking at trying to get some of the benefits of rose um you could use uranium instead. I know rose is kind of expensive. Um I shouldn't I not I always do that with oils. I open and smell them, but I, I should know better by now that I don't want to open and smell geranium. Um but yeah, it's a great one in the in the repeller. <laughs> if you want to repel a lacy for sure, it's one to put in there. Um but yeah, so I'm excited about all this information I just bombarded you with. Now, okay. Lastly is profession. what's the top of the pyramid? Proactive medical care and then professional, seek a professional or something like that. Um, you like patchouli, Jenny Brown, are you on YouTube? Why does that make a lot of sense? <laughs> anyway, um, seek professional help. Here's what I'm gonna tell you about that. You don't need an actual professional. <laughs> gardener, although you can come to me. I'll charge you and you can feel real good about that. Um, but the truth is, is that we are so powerful together because we learn from each other's experiences and we can we can rely on each other, um, just like farmers of old, right? They call it farmer, like what are the old wives' tales and the farmer's almanac? It's like, these aren't just tales. These are like, yeah, this works, do that. You know, yeah, this works. And somebody wrote it down in a book, um, Sandra Dean. I baby is a game changer. Aw Sandra, <laughs> you better never show up at my house with uranium all over yourself. Informed self-care. proactive medical care. Informed self-care. Proactive out there. Okay. Informed self-care. You have all the tools that you need. You do not need seven dust. You don't. I know it feels hard when you've grown up using seven dust, and a lot of people use seven dust. So don't feel like you're a terrible person. Um, but now you know better. And um, it's gonna be hard to come off of your seven dust, but it's worth it, I promise. Um, what else do people use in the brain? There's some other chemicals. It's been a long time. Well, Roundup. Roundup is glyphosate. If you didn't know, Roundup is glyphosate. People buy generic Roundup and it's glyphosate. Um, and it's, those are the two main ones to, um, to get rid of. Oh, okay. Yes. And lastly, there's your, there's your medical professional seek. Proactive medical care. It, join our group. I would love to have you there. Um, we it's the Schoolhouse Life um, group of Lacey and Drew, and they're community based. We are all about using oils. We are all about success. We are all about working together, answering questions. That's what we're uh, our goal is to help make it as easy as possible for people to do the things they want to do, um, try the things they want to try, and um, know it's okay to fail, but it's fun to get back up and try again. So um, that's it. I'm done spewing information. That's it. That's all I have to say. Um, Crystal, are you coming back? Sandra says, oh, any questions? Yeah, bring questions. Go ahead. Sandra says, I was refusing lemongrass and bees started trying to enter your house in spring. So that's a fun thing I taught, Crystal. <laughs> <laughs> um, that was a question that came up in our a sustainability group. People were saying, uh, what can I use to do it? To, to, um, uh, detract, is that a word, um, repel, there we go, um, the carpenter bees, and Crystal suggested lemongrass, <laughs> which lemongrass is actually a really um, amazing garden tool. It does repel a lot of different kinds of bugs, but bees are not generally one of them. I'm not sure about carpenter bees. That's my other thing, though. Like, bring all the bees. You want the bees in your garden, okay? I know that it can be, people are like, I'm allergic. Okay, well, the world without bees means a world without food. So just suit up, or also, a lot of times that's yellow jackets, and people don't realize there's a difference between yellow jackets and honeybees. They look similar in shape, but they're very different in activity. And honeybees are non aggressive, completely non aggressive, um, unless. they are packed and um, I can say that because I keep bees and I actually have never even been stung by a honeybee. Been stung a lot but that's because he's also tried to do beekeeping without gear some really good bugs that you want to attract like ladybugs can be really powerful way to control things like aphids in your garden if aphids are what you're dealing with um and again cedar wood is just my go-to for any of that kind of stuff peppermint is particularly good for aphids peppermint would be another good option um and i list that out on our sheet that um I will have a link in our group that you can get. So just easily download the sheet, the PDF. And it's on both sides and it tells you what bug, what what oil. So um, that will be really easy. That's why I didn't do a ton of that. On the call today but that would be really helpful for pinpointing um the specific thing uh oh jenny says she's gonna have wayne watch it good this will have a lot of fuel for him to make fun of me and i think that'll be so okay hornworms were um i think they might be on the list i can't remember for sure um but hornworms are the devil in a little green body (laughs) um but actually the best case scenario for hornworms is to get as many wasps in your garden as you possibly can um, the wasps lay their eggs on these hornworms and those eggs when they wake up they eat that hornworm from the inside out it's the most beautiful thing to watch have a good night